Hey guys, welcome to the Journey of Ruth Discipleship Podcast, where we encourage listeners to love Jesus, study his word, and reach others. I'm your host, Courtney Loman. Now, I've been looking forward to today's episode for almost two months. My guest is Rochelle Starr. Rochelle is the founder of Scarlet Hope Ministries, and she just released her new book, Outrageous Obedience, in November. I am not kidding when I say that I read this book cover to cover. In fact, I'm going to put a post up on social media with a picture of this book. I mean, you can see I have put tabs in and I have bent pages and I mean, I could not get enough of what she had to say in this book. Rochelle founded Scarlet Hope to reach out to women in the adult entertainment industry. In our conversation, we talk about how God drew Rochelle to minister to these women, how her upbringing influenced her ministry decisions, how we can be light in a dark world, and just when you thought we were only going to talk about Rochelle's ministry, we chat about why and how you and I should respond to the call that God has placed in our own lives. It is such a great conversation. Now, I do want to warn you that due to the nature of Rochelle's ministry, we do talk about some topics that might be inappropriate for little ears. Just a little warning. Now, I don't know if you have ventured over to our website this week, but if you haven't, let me tell you what you've missed. Our all new Journey of Ruth store launched this week. That's right. It started with our Bible journal for busy women. And now we have a whole new line of stickers, keychains, and prints available for all Journey of Ruth fans. This process started last year. And so I am so excited to finally get this open and out to you guys. You'll be able to get your hands on our best-selling Bohemian Rainbow Delight sticker. Anytime that I take those stickers to events, they are gone by the time I leave. Or the Sweet and Feminine Sparrow sticker with a beautiful reminder from Psalm 91.4. You can also see the beautiful scripture calligraphy work done by Trinity, a young lady in our college group. Her art and her skill is so amazing. So don't wait. Head over to journeyruth.com and check out all of the new items available in the store. They make wonderful gifts and hey, you just might find something that you need for yourself. All right, y'all buckle up. Here is my conversation with Rochelle Starr. Well, I am excited to be here with Rochelle Starr. Rochelle, thank you for being here. Courtney, thank you so much for having me. Well, I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. But before we do, I want to start with uh, Rochelle has a book that just released in November of 2022 called Outrageous Obedience. And I was just telling her, I read it from cover to cover. (laughs) And uh, we're going to learn more about Rochelle's ministry and what she does. But and that's what I thought the book was going to be about. I was like, okay, this is a book about all that, you know, Rochelle has learned and all that she has um, done in this ministry. This is going to be really interesting. As I dove, dove in, what I found was that it was more about finding my purpose or whoever's reading it, my purpose and my place of service. And it was such an encouragement to me, especially here at the beginning of the year as I'm looking forward to like what's coming up in, in 2023. I was like, this is the perfect book to start the year with. So Thank you so much, Rochelle, for your book. I, I I was just so blessed by every page that I read. So thank you very much. Can you start with telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Thank you for reading it. Thank you for taking the time to have me on this podcast. Um, yeah. God is 
super faithful and good. And I'm glad that that's what you took away from the book, because that's exactly what I wanted Mm -hmm. people or whoever reads it to take away is just to find their God-given purpose and calling for their life. Um, So I reside in Louisville, Kentucky, where I founded a ministry called Scarlet Hope. Uh, But first and foremost, I'm a mom to two little boys, nine years old and two years old. And I, I love being a mom, um, started late in life. <laughs> uh, my husband and I had been married almost 10 years. We've been married for 18 years now, wow. been leading this ministry for 15 years uh, by God's grace. And yeah, I get to do what I love every single day. And I get to tell the world and people about Jesus. So what, what, how much better could it get? That's right. We have that boy mom thing in common because I've got two okay. boys as well, eight and five. So I assume you have a pretty busy household with the two-year-old. It is absolute chaos. (laughs) (laughs) What is it about those younger ones that it's, you know, they just need to like add a little spice to the family. (laughs) Oh, he does. He was born a redhead and now he has bleach blonde hair, but he has a redhead personality. It is so cute and so adorable, but he's a little fire firecracker. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. Well, can you talk a little bit? So you are the founder of Scarlet Hope. And before we move on, because we're going to talk a lot about Scarlet Hope and what it does. And and so I want you to start with telling us a little bit about what Scarlet Hope is. Yeah. Our mission is to share the hope and love of Jesus with women that are in the adult entertainment industry that have been exploited and or trafficked. Um, yeah, that's our mission. That's what we've been doing since 2007 when the Lord called me, but now the ministry is all over the country and we get the privilege of serving those people in strip clubs, brothels, massage parlors, the streets online, um, in our outreach ministry to them. And, uh, so that's what we do. That's what Scar- why Scarlet Hope exists. Yeah. Okay. So when, one of the things that I loved in your book and was so encouraging encouraging to me as a mom of young kids was you talked about what your parents did that you think shaped who you have become now and, and probably played a role in your creation of Scarlet Hope. Can you talk about what it is that your parents did to shape who you've become today? Yeah. So, um, in the book, I talk a lot about, uh, my parents in the beginning, because I do not think without the foundation that they were setting before me, like as a child, I did not know this is what they were doing. I don't (laughs) even know that they knew that this is what they were doing. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, believe me. My dad's like, you're on a lot of parenting podcasts. I'm like, yeah, dad, because I wouldn't be doing this. Had you and mom not taught me from the beginning. Mm. Jesus is the first priority of our lives. And how do we live that day in and day out loving other people like Jesus did? And so that was the foundation that I grew up in. Um, They taught me mostly though, and this is what I want to, my dad's a pastor. They taught me how to love people that were unlovely, that the most Mm -hmm. of the world did not see and did not want to, to love on. And so Uh, those people were a part of our family. I grew up knowing absolutely no different. And that's, you know, part of our ministry today is to go to the people that nobody wants to, to go to. That's right. It's so funny the way that our parents maybe don't realize 
that the things that they did were thought and thought were just, you know, normal things are the things that impacted us the most. Um, I know for me, there was never a holiday where there wasn't someone sitting at our table that wasn't a part of our family. It was some at our, someone at our church because my dad was a pastor as well. And it was someone at our church that didn't have a place to go for the holidays. And so they were invited to our house either for the full day or just for dessert or whatever it might be. And so I thought that was normal. <laughs> you know, yeah. as I got older, I found out, wait, you just have your family for the holidays. Like, like no one else, there's no one else invited. And, but I, I didn't know that that was uh, unusual because that was just normal. And even now, as my husband and I disciple the college kids at our church and we have them in our home all the time, reading the stories of your parents and, and the things that you watched them do and how it has encouraged you as an adult it makes me think, okay, so these things that we're doing, it's not just ministering to the college students, but my kids are watching us do this ministry. And my prayer and my hope is that they will, they will see that and be inspired to reach out to the younger generation, like as they get older, you know, like in their high school years, maybe they're reaching out to the junior high kids, but that they're being influenced by this ministry. And it's not just about me. It's not just about you know, what God's doing in the lives of the college students, but it's about what God's doing in the life of my children um, yeah. as they're watching. So thank you for those stories of your parents because it was very encouraging. Um, and I, I think as moms, we always wonder, am I, to am I really like influencing my children for the best or am I totally screwing them up? <laughs> right? <laughs> I think the most encouraging thing is if we are focused on Jesus, you can't screw them up right? Mm. If our first focus and our first love is on Jesus Christ and who he is and who he's called us to be in the kingdom of God, there's no way you can screw that up. That's right. That's right. Now, the name of your book is Outrageous Obedience. So you know from the beginning that you're not going into some nice, light and fluffy, uh, you know, look on scripture or anything. So there were a couple of moments, a couple of quotes that I really liked. And so I'm going to just read a couple of them. Uh, one of them said, Jesus was okay with being misunderstood and criticized. And that probably means there's something greater on the other side of obedience if we will just take the risk. And then you said, God is calling us out of our comfort and into a risk-taking partnership with him, which I love. You know, we talk about, hey, you need to go take risks. But your idea of like, he's calling us into a risk-taking partnership. It's not just you taking the risk, but he's taking the risk right along with you. You, one day, God kind of, you looked around and you only saw people, you talk about how you only saw people that looked like yourself. And and God took you to a whole other people uh, that were not in your life at that point in time. Can you talk about where God took you and how you got there? Yeah. Um, wow. I, I looked around. My husband was on staff at a church and we were serving in college ministry. That is, if people are called to that, there's all sorts of calling and purposes in the kingdom of God. That's what I want to get and make sure I get out there is that mm. mine is no greater than anybody else's, but we were serving in college ministry. We we're serving in youth ministry, but there was this unique, um, 
unique foresight that the Holy Spirit was giving me to say, Hey, this isn't, this isn't exactly what I've called you for. Mm-hmm. I, I, you look around and you see everyone knows G- of Jesus. Everyone has been in the church. Where are the people that don't look like us, that don't smell like us, that don't think the way that we do? So I just started praying and asking God, Hey, where do you want to send and use me? And, um, and so the, the Lord, as I was driving past a a theater X, it was a truck stop that had triple X, uh, theater there where Mm -hmm. they, women would go, uh, trafficking happened, all sorts of things. Um, and I drove past it one day and the Lord said, I'm sending you there to share my hope and my love. Now I know. And a scripture that I love, that's actually, I wish I would have found this. It's not in my book, but (laughs) Proverbs 28, one says the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. And I was asking God, like, make me as bold as a lion. Where are you sending me? And he was sending me into the lion's den in the sex industry to share the gospel. Mm. Wow. Uh, Okay. So... (laughs) God's like, Hey, those are your people. And you were like, what was your response? Or did you go and tell people and what was their response? Well, my, now the first person I told was my husband and my husband immediately said, literally no joke. That is exactly what Jesus would do is he would be spending time with the prostitute. I was like, Lord, you've already prepared his heart and his mind for this. I don't, how did you even do that? And so then I told my best friend, Sarah, and she's one of the most pivotal. That's why I love your podcast is uh, the name of your podcast is because we were studying Ruth when the Lord called me yeah. and she said, I'll go wherever you God's called you to go. I'll be with you. Wow. And so, but the majority of people outside of those two people told me I was absolutely crazy. It was ludicrous. There was no way that I was going to get an open door to those places. Mm. Well, and I mean, because you talk about God's going to call us into this risk-taking partnership. And he was literally like, you're going to need to take risks to get into that place. But that's that's where I've called you. Yeah. Um can we kind of stop here, kind of back away from your own personal experience and talk about these women that you serve? Talk about the adult uh, entertainment industry. Give us some of your, one of the things that I, I think you did wonderfully in your book is that you did put in a lot of um, statistics and information um, with what I loved also was the, hey, this is where I got this information. So if, if people are wanting to read the full report or, you know, you, you actually put that in the footnotes so that we can go and look for ourselves. But, um, can you talk about some of the really the hard truths about what's going on in the adult entertainment industry today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing to understand about the sex industry, which encompasses human trafficking, sex trafficking, specifically, uh, child trafficking, strippers, prostitutes, all of it is in compassed in the sex industry, which is the second largest globalized industry in the entire world, second to the drug trade industry, which they both go hand in hand. Mm. And there's not a better for me, you know, a a more bold calling to say, hey, what's what is the largest industry? Sadly, it's the darkest industry out there that is growing. 
One of the things also is that I think it's good to explain the difference between like human trafficking and ex- and exploitation. Okay. There is a difference. I, I think um, a lot of people know the sex industry or strippers or dancers or what strip clubs as like the pretty woman example, right? Like oh, yeah. Julia Roberts, like it's glamorized, it's pretty. But 70% of all trafficking victims are trafficked through a strip club in the United States. Mm. So when we care about trafficking victims, we've also got to care about exploited people in those places. Yeah. Uh, and I think in my book, I mentioned that there was a woman that uh, shared with me, She every time she drove past the strip club, she would turn her face and turn her head towards that away from that place. But inside those places are people and 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 trafficking victims, which I know the world has become aware of. Um, some other statistics that most people don't know: ninety-five percent of women that have been sexually abused, um, or sorry, that are in the industry were sexually abused as children. Mm-hmm. So when we start pointing fingers at people and go, "Well, they chose to do that," or you know, that's their choice; they could get out if they wanted to the enemy started stealing from them a long, long time before they ever ended up there. Yeah. And so uh, the last most powerful statistic is that 89% of women want out of the sex industry, but feel they have no other means of survival. And so Scarlet Hope is able to come in and say, yeah, that's a lie from the enemy. Now there's opportunity and now there's a choice. That's right. What kind of things do you guys as Scarlet Hope offer to these women um, when they're, when you do meet them and you kind of open those doors? Yeah, practically speaking, we offer, um, you know, we really try to be both word and deed. So if somebody is hungry, we have food. Every resource center around the country that we have has food pantries, clothing, but more importantly, we offer community counseling and case management so that women who are impacted by exploitation and trafficking can actually have somebody tangible to walk with them in a gospel center community alongside them. Hmm. Hi, I'm Valerie Pierce. And I'm Courtney Lohman. And we are the creators of the Bible Journal for Busy Women. Have you ever heard it said that women's brains are like spaghetti and men's brains are like waffles? It's hard for us as women to separate out the different areas of our life and our brain contains everything all in one space. But then it can be hard when we ask our brains to concentrate on just one thing, like our Bible study time. Have you ever been sitting down to read your Bible and right about the time you read your second verse, that pesky to-do list starts popping up in your head? that bill you need to pay, the errand you need to run, the birthday party coming up, the shopping list, etc. Your brain begins to think about everything except that Bible that's open right in front of you. It was a moment like this which led to the creation of the Bible Journal for Busy Women. What if there was one space where your Bible study reflection, your scripture meditation, your daily to-do list, and your weekly and monthly goals could live seamlessly together on one page? inside of a beautiful Bible journal that's small enough for you to take on the go. Those that have used the Bible journal for busy women have found that the setup is super helpful. Anything that pops up in their head, they just drop it onto the left side of the page in that to-do list, which allows them to quickly return back to their time with God, knowing that that list is going to be there when they're done. This ensures that nothing pops into your head that gets forgotten or dropped. The Bible Journal for Busy Women is now available for purchase on both journeyofruth.com and kindredandco.net. 
Order one for yourself, and this would make a great gift for the busy women in your life. What a blessing it is to be able to set the busyness aside and give our full hearts and focus to the Lord. Be sure to order yours today. One of the things that I think is interesting as you're uh, looking at ministries and people are trying to gauge if a ministry is successful. Um, the biggest question that they'll get is, well, uh, have you ever led anyone to Christ? Right. And I love some of your stories. You started <clears throat> not only by doing some prayer drives around your local strip clubs, but you started by going in and serving dinner to not just the women, but the club owners and the bouncers and the DJs and, and, and like the other people that work in there. Um, and that was kind of, and of course people were like a little, you know, maybe hesitant at first, like, you know, what do I have to do? Like, how much is this food? You know, what, what's going on here? Um, I know that sometimes it can, some people can think, well, you know, we need to judge the success of this ministry based on, um, the conversions, but I have a feeling that the success of Scarlet Hope probably includes conversions and has other markers. How do you, when you're looking at the success of Scarlet Hope, which it is a successful ministry that has made impact on the lives of women, how do you guys look at it and say, Lord, because of these things, we can see that you're using us. Absolutely. I mean, hundreds of women have come to know the Lord through our that. ministry, but, but our mission, as I mentioned earlier, is to share the hope and love of Jesus with women that are in the industry. So how we measure success is how many times, how many seeds have gone out into the industry. So, um, there are a number of strip clubs in the United States. It's around 4,000. Um, how many Christians have been trained up and deployed to go and be the light of Christ in the darkness and shared seeds of the gospel? There's a lot of times because of the transient nature of the industry, we meet a woman once, we share the gospel, and we never see her again. But by God's grace, um, Courtney, we've been able to see women's lives fully transform by the power of the gospel and now go, they're going back and reaching other women. Oh. And God has done that in miraculous ways, hundreds of times throughout our ministry. Wow. I, I mean, and, and it's one of those things where you, you talk about the redemption that can happen through Jesus Christ. And then to the point where he's like, now you get to go and bless these other women with and, and let them see the redemption that I've done in your life. And so that they can know that I can work and love them as well. Uh, you mentioned how many people have been trained to go in because a lot of people would think, okay, I'm not going to go in there because I wouldn't even know what to say. I wouldn't even know what to do. Um, and one of your quotes in the book is that I've never seen shame change a life. And it can be so easy to use shame to say, well, you've done all of this. You just need to change. But what you're saying is shame is not the direction to go. So how, what is the right way to make a change in such a dark world that we live in? Yeah, I think shame is a really big barrier for people specifically in the industry to mm -hmm. find hope. They already, the stigma of what they do becomes who they feel they are. And when you feel you are something, 
that God didn't create you to be, and you're defined by what you do, you immediately feel shame. And so we teach and train thousands of volunteers um, all across the country that what we go in with is completely no judgment. They have experienced enough judgment um, themselves. I'll never forget a owner of a club watched us and watched us and watched us serve these meals in these clubs and love the women right where they were at. And he said, I have never in 35 years of working in this club, I have never, ever seen anyone treat these women like you guys treat them. And he said, mm. if, if that, if you guys truly do believe in God and Jesus, I want to believe in that Jesus, because he's wow. clearly working through you. And just by um, not shaming them and not judging them, but saying, Hey, you know what? You were creating God's image and that is not shameful. Yeah. And God has more for you. Shame is, is really a deep, dark, um, a deep, dark spiral that it keeps a lot of women, uh, in darkness. Mm. I, I often hear women say to me from the industry, they'll say, I can't go into church, Rochelle. Um, I can't step foot in there. The The walls will literally come down if I set foot in there. And so we have to work through what, what that is, why. And um, I believe that it's God's kindness that leads people to repentance. It's not shaming them that'll ever get them there. Do you guys partner with local churches as you're working? Oh, absolutely. I because, you know, I'm a pastor's kid like you. I, that's right. <laughs> that's right, girl. I believe in the local church. I believe that is, we we have, we are a bridge to the local body, right? Mm. We are often the first people that they trust. We are the first Christians that they confide in. We are the first people that they want to be around. And so then we begin introducing them to churches. So by God's grace, we have about 70 church partners out there in the world and, um, they are equipped, trained, and safe places also for women to go to if we ever, if, if they're interested. So I'm thinking about an interview that we did last year with Megan Brown, and we were talking about um, military personnel. And she was talking about how um, she had a passion for connecting military with local churches. But sometimes it was hard because she felt like she would she would take her friends and uh, new military families to churches, and she's like, it's almost like the church didn't know how to serve us. They didn't they didn't know what to say. They didn't know how to react, and then the way that they were used to react reacting uh, was almost offensive <laughs> to my friends, and because they didn't understand the church culture, so it was like two different cultures meeting in the same room. And <clears throat> she has been working with churches to kind of help them become partners with the military personnel. What do we need to know as churches when a woman walks in, uh, when someone brings, you know, you guys bring a woman to a new church, what can we do to make her feel welcome? And what should we definitely not do? Oh, this is a very good question. One thing that I'll I'll plug here is we have a free church curriculum coming out here soon in the next, mm -hmm. literally it launches February 1st. Okay. It's free to all, all churches. It, it's a four part 
quick series that teaches churches how to plan and prepare to welcome people from the industry into their church body, what to do, what not to do. But quickly, for the sake of this podcast, I'll share with you that um, the biggest thing is that they are no different than us. Okay. They, that they cannot, as soon as they walk into their church, feel like they're wearing a scarlet letter. And so oftentimes what we do is we pair volunteers from our ministry with that woman in that church. And so they just go together. There is no, like when she's introduced, this is my friend. This is how, this is my friend. Where'd you guys meet? Is Mm -hmm. that important? No, no. Secondly, (laughs) secondly, um, I think another big thing is that, and I want to be careful how I say this, there has been a lot of spiritual abuse, not just in the industry, but everywhere. And Mm. many, I mean, I have talked to tens of thousands of women and I have heard spiritual abuse stories that happened in the church or using the church or using God a number of times. Mm. And we have got to be careful that we do not um, further that uh, that abuse. And mm-hmm. it can look, it's in various ways. Um, yes, sexual abuse unfortunately exists also in the church, but it's more like shaming or causing people or wanting people to change or do something under the guise of this is this is honoring to God without validating and and honoring the person. And, um, and, Mm. and so as a church, I just really think that it takes careful prayer and, and yeah, prayer and fasting in order to be a place that is safe for vulnerable people Mm. and, um, and treating them that they are no different than you and I, their sin is no greater or worse than you and I. And um, I just sat across the the table literally two nights ago with a woman from the industry and um, she had joined us for church on Sunday. And she said to me, you know, it's so interesting. I didn't feel uncomfortable when I finally went to church, but my whole life, I've not been wanting to go to church because I felt like people would know what I do and what I've done. Yeah. And I told her, as she said, her uh, years ago, a Christian told her that the worst sin she could ever commit was prostitution. So she was automatically put herself completely out of ever coming back to the body of Christ because wow. of her background. And I just got to sit with her and say, girl, first of all, I want to apologize on behalf of Christians. Mm. That is, that's that's not right because all of our sin put Jesus on the cross. Every single last sin put him there. That's right. Well, and I love that you're creating this curriculum because I think if your church, uh, knows that it, you know, if, if you, if you know that as a church, that one of the things that you want to do is to reach out to disadvantaged individuals, then you're actually going to look for that opportunity. You're going to, uh, you're going to expect to see, um, that happening in and around your building. So it's not going to be like, Whoa, that person looks different. Or I don't know that person. It's like, I don't know that person. I want to get to know them, you know, or, uh, you know, whatever it might be, it becomes, um, 
normal and becomes a part of your church mindset instead of just like one person that's interested in that or whatever. What a wonderful idea to get the entire church behind that purpose. I think of uh, growing up, we had a lot of foster babies in our home and I'm sorry, not our home, in our church. Um, We had many, many families that fostered and it was like a church thing that we knew as a church, now it was a small church, but we knew as a small church that we had a limited amount of time with most of these foster babies and we didn't know where they would go next. So for the six months or year or couple years that we got to have these babies in our church, we were going to love them and we were going to show them Jesus's love. And sometimes those babies got to stay because they got adopted into our church, which was fabulous. And sometimes we had to say goodbye as a church. And, um, but as a church, it was known, you know, that if, a, if someone had a baby in their hands in the service, it was okay. We knew that was a new foster baby and we wanted to mm-hmm. love on them. And, I think it, it makes the ministry more corporate. Um, you're like, look, she's, you know, this person has brought this individual in because they have a connection. But what we can do is make that, you know, individual feel welcome, which opens up more doors for that friend to be able to speak Jesus's truth. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I love, it does take the whole, body understanding, not just about this topic, but even about what you're saying, foster care, um, homelessness, addiction, Mm -hmm. like all Mm -hmm. of these things Mm -hmm. that the world truly deems as like the ugly, sick, broken stuff in our world. If we have a, if, if churches have a, a gospel view that this is who Jesus came for, then our church doors will be open to those people, but full of those people. And it's, again, it's not them versus us. It's just, yeah. 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 I just, I'm passionate about it. (laughs) Yeah. We want to show you Jesus's love because you are a part of his family. You are a daughter or a son of Christ, which means you're our brother and sister. So we want to love you like a brother or sister. Um, now, we're going to get a little personal here for listeners um, because the end part of your book basically says, Hey, I get it. Not everyone is called to minister to women in the sex industry. And um, you even talk about how sometimes you understand that that is hard. You have people like come and sign up because they really get passionate about um, Scarlet Hope, but then things life gets in the way or there's not able to participate. You're like, that's fine. God has a purpose for you. And one of the things you said is that some of us need to be rescued from purposelessness. And I was like, Ooh, I have definitely had many conversations with people that are like, I just don't know what my purpose is, or I feel like I don't have a purpose in life right now. So what does that mean? And how how do you suggest that we go from like for you, you were sitting there and you're like, I feel like God has a different purpose for me. And he was like, it's over there. Right. How do we do that? How did you go Mm -hmm. about doing that? And how can we do that in our own lives? Oh, yeah. Um, so I think it, it starts with an understanding of what as a child of God, our kingdom purpose is. Okay. Mm. Because that doesn't, that is not just directed towards the sex industry or some various area that's That's towards 
all darkness. And anyone who is outside of Christ is walking in darkness. So as a child of God, starting with the per, the, the, understanding that we are called to have purpose for the gospel to bring light to all darkness. So practically speaking, walk it, you know, you're in, we all bump into people all day, every day. It also, I'll just say this too much too. Um, it's for the mom who stays at home, who has really hard kids, if you know, potentially, and is doing everything she can on purpose to teach them the gospel and about Christ and what his love looks like. It's, it's in every avenue of this world that we can see um, where God's calling us and purposed yeah. us for. Where can the gospel go forth in this moment, in this area, with this person? I don't know. Um, I, I get the question and what you're asking is a little bit also, not everybody's called to outrageous, crazy obedience but ordinary, like what does ordinary look like? And mm. one of the things I talk about in the book, s specifically around this purposelessness uh, part is provision, that the word mm. provision comes from the the word choreography. And so we, us with the Holy Spirit get to do this beautiful dance every single day in life. Lord, direct my steps, guide my mouth, guide my eyes to see the darkness around me. And God, what do you want me to do about it today? And mm -hmm. so, oh my goodness. I mean, I could sit here and tell you all give, you know, it give uh, somebody that you see in the grocery store that the Holy Spirit prompts your heart to ask them how they're doing. That's an, that's an act of obedience. Whatever the Holy Spirit is is asking you to do in that moment that that's that's obedience that's outrageous obedience right because most yeah. of us are living too noisy of lives to to hear him yeah and outrageous obedience i think uh because of the women that you work with people are going to go that's that's outrageous right <laughs> but i think what can feel mundane to some people may be outrageous for others going up to someone in the grocery store and saying how are you doing god just wanted me to come over and say hi and ask you how you're doing um i have several college kids that work at starbucks believe me if you will be kind to that starbucks barista and be like how can i be praying for you or you know like how are you doing you know what's the best thing that's happened to you instead of a negative response, I'm telling you, you're going to bless their day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many of their stories, I'm like, oh gosh, I want to be kind to you now because so many people are just, it's not that they're trying to be unkind. They're just not even thinking of them as a person to be interacting with. But yeah. to, going out of your comfort zone to say that to somebody, that's outrageous for some people. You yeah. know, like even like, oh, I have to talk to somebody I don't know. That's hard for me. And yeah. that may be outrageous. And 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 you talk, you know, earlier we said God calls us into those risk taking uh, moments. And are we willing to step out in obedience? It doesn't mean that he's going to make us, uh, you know, go to Africa as a missionary. But mm -hmm. are we willing to take even the small steps um, that he's asking us to take? on a daily basis. I think it's important that one of the things that you seem to do really well is, um, encourage those that are involved in your ministry that we have to go to them 
and we're not going to wait for them to come to us. Um, and that's once again, stepping out in outrageous obedience. Cause if we're just sitting back waiting, like, okay, God, I'm ready. I'm excited to, you know, minister to somebody, bring them to me. You could be waiting for forever, right? Cause God's like, they're actually over there. They're ready and they're waiting for you, but you have to move. So why is that important that we are willing to go and not just wait for them to come? I mean, it goes straight back to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, that Jesus tells us to go and and, and make disciples of all nations everywhere. He does not, in the Great Commission, which is one of the greatest statements Jesus ever makes, Mm -hmm. he commends us to go. He does not say stay. And so that does mean we have to obey. And that's outrageous this day and age. I mean, I just, I, I got to say, he, you know, he was saying something outrageous then that still is very outrageous today. Yeah. Now here's the greatest, I love Henry Nowen says, God is already working, just join him, right? Yeah. Like look, yeah. just join him. And so a lot of the risk, you know, uh, thousands of volunteers have come through Scarlet Hope, but it took a, a few of us to just be crazy obedient so that other people can now, um, the risk is kind of mitigated because we've already been there and doing the work and God has paved a way for people to, to go. So Mm. uh, yeah, Matthew 28, the great commission is just my favorite statement Jesus makes because it is our instructions to live as a child of God. That's right. And obviously here on the journey of Ruth, discipleship is our focus. And we, and, and one of the things that I harp on anytime I speak or, I mean, harp on's a a, negative way to say it, but it's true, uh, (laughs) is that that command is for all of us. It's for all believers. It is not just for a select few or those that feel called. We are all called to go and make disciples. We are all called to go and spread the gospel. Um, So what does that look like? in your life. And I think if we look at the lives of the disciples, we'll see that none of their journeys look the same. So it wasn't like God gave, you know, some, some type of very clear, um, expectation and equation. It will be X, you know, a, and then B and then C, and then this is what your lives will look like. It was like, I just need you to go and I need you to make disciples and I need you to spread the gospel and build the kingdom. And it's going to look different for each one of you. And because of that, you know, like I said, at the end of the book, I love that you're like, look, God's calling you to this Matthew 28 purpose. Um, and you talk about the small things, like it's okay to start small. And we, I look at Scarlet Hope 15 years into Scarlet Hope and I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope that Journey of Ruth can look like that. And, you know, at some point, some point in time and having uh, different opportunities at your centers around the country, reaching into the lives of women nationally. I think that is amazing. But someone's like looking at that going, I can't start all of that. And you're like, no, 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 no. Start small. In fact, you you mentioned Zechariah 4.10 about start small. So for someone who's like, okay, I'm a little anxious. I think I know the direction God wants me to go, but I don't even know where to start. What is your suggestion suggestion for them? You'll never not hear me say the number one thing you need to do is pray. Mm. hands down prayer is our 
communion with God, is our connection with God. It's where we hear from Him, we go to Him, all of that. Prayer is number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, start somewhere. Take the Mm -hmm. first step. I often say, um, God didn't, I know that, you know, this sounds, to me, it doesn't sound like this anymore, but I know this sounds like an outrageous vision to go to women in the sex industry um, to most people, but it didn't actually start there. It started by the Holy Spirit giving me very small assignments, give that woman a meal, pick up that woman on the street and take her to wayside. Like, slowly but surely doing things that I was like, okay, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'll do it. And then God's like, no, no, no. I'm, I just want you to do one thing at a time, one small thing at a time, because I'm about to give you something really big that you're going to need a hundred percent reliance upon me. So for Mm. people listening to this, God often, I, I mean, this is my experience. Maybe it's not everyone's, but he does not give you the full picture. He does not give you every piece of the puzzle. He might give you one and he might say, hey, go here. You may not even know what to say or do, but rely on me. I'll show up and then I'm going to give you the next one. And that's what he did. That's how he built this beautiful picture of Scarlet Hope in in the nation to reach women was one puzzle piece at a time. And he's mm-hmm. continuing to do it. The picture's not done. Mm. Oh, and I love that, that it's, it's still growing. And so therefore you really still are trusting God with every small piece. And my suggestion for people that are like, I don't, I think I know, I think I kind of have an idea. Uh, my suggestion is grab outrageous obedience and read it through. Um, cause it was just so encouraging to me, uh, before we get to our final question, um, is there anything that you want to say that we didn't talk about? Oh my goodness. I just, you know, I, I think it's very, I I would imagine the majority of people listening to this podcast are probably women. And there is something really powerful about women being unleashed into the world Mm -hmm. on behalf of the gospel. Uh, Our whole ministry, 99% of our ministry is led and done by women. Um, And so one of the things that I always like to mention is, you know, my dad was a pastor. I grew up watching women just serve in the youth ministry or the nursery or whatever, but you were uniquely created for amazing kingdom purposes. And it might be Mm -hmm. in the nursery and it might be inside the walls of the church, but I have watched thousands of women get unleashed on the world for the gospel. And it doesn't just change people's lives out there. It changes our lives. So joy, you know, I just encourage women to be bold as lions. And I love that you didn't say some women are prepared for this. You said you are qualified. So listeners, she's talking to you, (laughs) whoever you are. Um, and, and I thank you. Thank you for that encouragement. I think we need to hear that. We need to be encouraged to go out in, in the area that God has gifted us and called us to. Uh, Can you tell me where can we connect with you and get a copy of Outrageous Obedience? Oh my goodness. Well, you can, uh, it's at Target, it's at Barnes and Noble, it's on Amazon. That's the easiest way to get it. But um, you can connect with me at rochellestar.co on Instagram or through the Scarlet Hope on Instagram and scarlethope.org 
our website. So all the information and the books available on all of that. Awesome. Well, we have one final question that we ask all our guests, and that is because we don't think anyone's supposed to live life alone. Who is it that has helped you along in your journey? Well, I would be absolutely crazy to say that number one is my husband. My husband has been, um, we've been married 18 years. We've been doing this ministry for 15 years. My husband doesn't go into the clubs. He doesn't serve home-cooked meals. Mm -hmm. But if he was not just a thousand percent behind me, holding my arms up when I was weak and praying over me and being there, I would not be here sitting talking to you. That Mm -hmm. is for sure. Um, So he's, and then God has put so many beautiful women around me to be just, just to be along this journey with me, but also to hold my arms up when I'm weak as well. So yeah, then I could name a whole slew of them. That's usually what this section is. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, there's so many people. And I feel like it's like that moment at an award ceremony where you're, you know, yeah. you're going to forget somebody, but, uh, and what a blessing, what a blessing that we have those people in our life. So many that, you know, it would take too long to name them all. And so how wonderful. Well, thank you, Rochelle, so much for being with us today and, and for sharing our ministry listeners. I do hope that you will go and engage with Rochelle and engage with Scarlet Hope. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it is like an action moment and you're going to go and you're going to get involved, but maybe it is, I'm going to be praying for Rochelle and the women that she's reaching out to. And I'm going to start praying about what my purpose is and how I can take these small, but bold steps of outrageous faith in my life. So thank you, Rochelle. I really appreciate you coming on today. And Courtney, thank you for this amazing podcast and this opportunity to share what God's doing. I I so appreciate it. And it's been a joy. Thank you. Thank you. I'm serious. I need you. I need everyone who listened to this episode to go out and get a copy of Rochelle's book, Outrageous Obedience. It was the perfect book for me to read here at the beginning of 2023 in January. It had so much encouragement for anyone who feels called to a ministry or a group of people, but isn't sure how to proceed. It was a great reminder that true obedience requires stepping out of our comfort zones. So where is God calling you to step out in faith? You can find more information about Rochelle and Outrageous Obedience on our website in the show notes. There you will also find show notes for all of our past episodes, an opportunity to sign up for our podcast newsletter, links to help support the podcast, information on how I may be able to bless your church or community through speaking or teaching, and of course, our brand new Journey of Ruth shop. Don't miss it. This week, please come say hi over on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to go and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe over on YouTube. It really helps support us and get the podcast into new ears. Thanks for listening. And I will see you on Tuesday in two weeks right here on the Journey Ruth Discipleship Podcast.